0: Coming up today on the Lead to Succeed podcast.
1: If you don't have, to have championship caliber or very good people, by the way, not the most expensive, but just good people, they can be like a ball and chain. They can basically have you work longer in life, work harder, and not achieve uh, the life you want.
0: Do you want to learn the tricks the top leaders use to get the most out of themselves and their teams? Well, Naftali Hoff is here to help. Lead to Succeed picks the brains of top leaders to learn about their challenges, insights, and best practices. Here's Naftali. Hello, Lead to Succeed Nation. It's Naftali Hoff, and welcome to Lead to Succeed, episode 36. This episode's interesting fact is only 8% of the world's currency is actual physical money. The rest is digital money that exists only on computers. Today, we have the pleasure of speaking with Al Zenick, an expert on finances and so much more. Al is the president, CEO, and founder of Trous Solas Wealth Management, a boutique wealth management firm dedicated to empowering people to transform their lives and live the life they wish now and in the future. His book, Master Your Cash Flow, The Key to Grow and Retain Wealth, and his upcoming book, Master Your Cash Flow, The Key to Grow a Valuable Business, show readers how to achieve the wealth they need Then find additional cash flow and, if saved, build wealth sooner, work fewer years, or have more wealth to live the lifestyle they desire now and forever. Al, thanks so much for coming on the show.
1: It's a great pleasure to be here. Thank you.
0: Yeah, and it's a pleasure that uh, we got connected, I believe, through our good friend, Henry DeVries. Henry was uh, my publisher for my book, Becoming the New Boss. And um, it's always great to meet new people and, and really learn more about what they do and what their experiences are. So I would like to begin, if I can, Al, focusing on something that we just read, which is the fact that you, you and your focus, your professional profile, if you will, is focused on helping people live the lives that they wish through solid financial decision-making. So how do you help people determine the life that they want to live? And using layman's terms, what do you do to help them?
1: Well, I think the first thing, the most important thing when you're dealing with a person in their life and how they wish to live is listen to them and have them describe, like, uh, let's say today you had all the money in the world. You know, when you get up in the morning, what would your life be like? Uh, What would you do? What interests would you have? What would you continue to do? And so it allows a person, especially when we're all in this busy, crazy, busy world, To sit and start thinking, gee, this is the life I want, and they describe it that way. Once they describe it, then we sit down and say, okay, I noticed that you wanted a a vacation home. Well, how much would that cost? I noticed you wanted this. You travel. And we put together um, an amount of cash flow the person needs to live that particular life. And then what it becomes after that is an exercise in how much wealth do they have now, How do they work? What money is coming in? What is going out? And then how to make decisions uh, going forward on making sure they're making the best financial decision to add to that wealth, that cash flow to eventually uh, achieve the life they want now and in the future.
0: Great. So I'm hearing if, if I could simplify this, it sounds to me that we've got really like three pieces here. You know, what is the vision? How do we set goals to help us achieve the vision, especially once we identify the gap between where I am today and where I'd like to go? And then what are the specific actions I need to take in order to get there? Am I oversimplifying?
1: No, no, that's, that's actually pretty good. And uh, especially in the first two steps are pretty, I to say, people find that pretty easy to go through. It's the last part is make, taking the actions because some of those actions may be some things that people are avoiding to do, or they may be uncomfortable doing, uh, or may decide, uh, may have them decide some really crucial things about their careers. So, But but yes, the way you said it was perfect.
0: So tell me about that. I'm, I'm very curious, because you talk about the lack of comfort or uncomfortable decisions or actions people might need to make. What would be a typical uncomfortable Uh, decision somebody needs to make specific to their finances and their future life?
1: Probably one of the most common and one of the ones that causes a lot of anxieties, people, when they get out of school, they go through the careers, they surround themselves with advisors or people to give them advice, like a CPA, an attorney, insurance agent, and other experts. And my job when I'm working with them to put together a plan is look at what those experts are doing And so, and a lot of times we find that the person has outgrown an expert, their life is more sophisticated or complicated, or that expert is not giving the service that they should, but maybe like the CPA is an old family friend or the attorney they, they met as a buddy in in college, or there's other things. So when I tell them that if you want to make better financial decisions, you may have to replace, or you should replace one of these experts, uh, sometimes it causes a lot of anxiety, stress, and uncomfortableness with them, knowing that they have to speak to a friend or a long-term advisor and say, you're fired.
0: Yeah, I mean, I can see that on a variety of levels. The idea that uh, you know a person has to, I mean, change is not easy for anybody. And it sounds like specifically when I have to hear from somebody, and I don't know how much trust they have in you at this point when you're having this conversation with them, that they're going to take your word that basically they need to fire possibly, or at least reposition somebody who they've come to trust and maybe it's a relative, maybe it's just somebody that got in with them early on and has developed a long-term relationship and you, in effect, are not just telling them, it sounds like at least, I'll tell me if I'm wrong here, but it sounds like you're not just telling them, consider this solution, consider this tool or this approach towards making more money, but it's cut out some of the weeds, cut out some of the individuals that are really holding you back so that you could latch on to a new approach that ultimately is going to give you much more than what you've gotten until now.
1: Uh, that's, that's, a, that's very good the way you said it. Um, basically, the way I look at your team of ex- experts is like you're a team owner. And I always used a, a George Steinbrenner Yankees uh, example with this. George Steinbrenner, uh, when he was the owner around his team, he always knew how to put together a championship team of people. Well, your th- experts around you are the same way. If you don't have, have championship caliber or very good people, by the way, not the most expensive, but just good people, they can be like a ball and chain. They can basically have you work longer in life, work harder, and not achieve uh, the life you want. Now, you said at the beginning that I just don't come out and there has to be trust with a person and me for me to say that. And you're right. This is not like uh, the first five minutes of a conversation with a person. It's taking them through a lot of things in their finances and getting to know them and establishing some trust. But I always let them know no matter what I am uh, recommending, they are the final arbiter. They make the final decisions. They don't have to do this. And if they say, look, I can't replace this person. Is there another alternative? Well, sure, you can get maybe another expert along with them. You can have a conversation with this expert and say, look, um, I need this level of service and I'm not getting it. So there is, it's just not black and white, but it's still having those conversations and taking those actions can be uncomfortable for people.
0: Yeah, you know, it it takes us a little bit outside of where. I think our conversation was focused in terms specifically of wealth management and, and providing support and, you know as, as far as a person's finances are concerned. But you hit on something, Al, that I think is really, really critical for every leader, anybody in Lead to Succeed Nation who is either currently leading or aspiring to lead. And that is something that I think we all wonder about. And that is, how do I know that I'm surrounding myself with the right people? And how specifically do I determine that somebody has, let's call it, content, Expertise, so that I'm really getting the very best support as a leader in guiding my organization forward.
1: In the beginning, it could be a very difficult, but some some things that you should look for in any with any person, an expert or people you surround yourself with, is one are are they returning phone calls when they do work for you? Is it timely? Is it valuable? Are they proactive? If there's a mistake that's made, this is one of the biggest tests for me. If there's a mistake made, whether it's a miscommunication or an error of some sort, do they take responsibility? I was just on the phone with one of my experts this morning, and I was questioning her what she was doing. And and I asked one particular thing, why didn't you know this? And she, without skipping a beat, she said, I did not know that. It's it's basically, I, I'm accountable for that. I should have known it, and I really apologize. Well, to me, that went a long way in raising my uh, my view of her, because I knew that she she was going to be straight with me, whether it was going to be something good or something that was a mistake being made. But those are the initial things. Yeah. Maybe after that is like, look around to successful people, successful leaders, maybe have a mentor that somehow that you can start seeing how they did, how they put together their teams and maybe use that approach also as you have more experience with your own team.
0: So I'm curious, Al, because I, I asked a question with regards to expertise and I heard an answer that sounded more to do with, with character and with qualities relating to uh, reliability and follow through and things like that. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if the question was unclear or if, in fact, that is your interpretation of the answer. In other words, if you're saying, in effect, that expertise is more the outgrowth of the character and the behaviors that you possess than the content area knowledge that you have. Clarify for me,
1: please. Sure. That's great. I have a a saying that most people don't really know how good you are. They can only judge you initially, especially initially on how they're treated. So I always look at that first, how you're being treated. Now, eventually the expertise is going to come out because you're going to ask for some help with something and you're going to see if if it's being handled well or not. Or as time unfolds, you're going to find out if your questions or your uh, the particular reason you went for them is going to be resolved. So, But the thing is, you really don't know at the beginning. You can get a referral. You can ask other people. You can ask them for referrals. But still, you really don't know what they do or what they're going to do to you until they actually do their work. But you do know how they're being treated, how you're being treated. You do know how their staff their staff is treating you. You do know if they return phone calls. You do know if they're prompt. You do know if they get their work done. Those are some indications of that there's enough caring that the expertise could be there or follows,
0: okay. I hear that. But again, I'm going to stay on this a little bit longer because i'm I'm still unsure about one detail. and that is if I have obviously, we all want to surround ourselves with people who are who are as much experts in our areas as possible. But if I have to, from your perspective, Al, if you have to choose between, let's say you don't have the perfect candidate, you have somebody who has, More content awareness, more content knowledge, maybe more expertise in the more conventional definition of the term, or somebody who is a better, let's call a team player, you know, uh, has, has more stronger interpersonal skills and is reliable, follows through, these kinds of things. Which is your preference as an employer to bring onto your team and why?
1: Well, I would think especially if you're comparing it with the expertise and, and other skills like communication or team, I'll always go for the communication and to a team player. Communications is something uh, a lot of professional people do not have or not training in. So it's really a gift to get someone who either has that attribute or is working toward it. If they're a team player, that's another that's another positive. You can have someone you can always teach expertise. You can always teach a te- technical ability. It's very tough to teach uh, either communication skills or team skills to a person uh, initially. So I will always go with the team player or the communication skills.
0: Mm, Okay, good. I mean, I would agree with you personally. I think that I can't say always that people have the capacity to learn uh, certain skills, but I think that many, many skills can be learned, certainly can be improved upon. But like you said, I think it is difficult to find good people. And I define good people primarily in terms of character, in terms of how they interact with others, what you could, their reliability and other what we might call soft skills. But nonetheless, it's the soft skills that really drive the engine in many cases and allow a team to function. So I want to circle back. That was I got a little bit off script in terms of your understanding and your perspective on team building and all of that. Let's go back to investing in financial management for a second, because I think everybody is interested in this topic. And specifically, what would be a myth, a misconception that lots of folks have about your work or about this industry in general that you wish everybody knew differently about?
1: Well, I will say that uh, people don't really understand the difference between a wealth advisor, a registered investment advisor, an independent one, uh, or a broker. There's a lot of things people don't understand there, but... When I, one of the biggest myths when people ask me that is that a lot of people think that people grow, uh, they get their fortunes through, through the stock market or, or investing in the markets. Very few people get their fortunes that way. They may add to their wealth. They may get additional wealth from it. But most people, uh, the great, great majority, basically get it from how they work, their businesses, how they save, how they put together core, core wealth. Uh, the investment only adds to it. So uh, if people think they're going to get rich in, in the market, it normally does not occur. You can't have people speculating in certain things like the cryptocurrencies today, but it's it, that's not the norm that's in the market. So uh, that to me is what one of the biggest myths out there.
0: Okay. So that's that's a great answer. Thank you. So I wanted to ask you actually a question earlier that I'm going to combine with a different question since we did get off in talking about some other pieces. Originally, I was going to ask you how you got started specifically in this field, but my other question, you could tie the two together if you'd like, would be what would be something that you would do differently as your 25-year-old self?
1: Okay. So how I got started. Well, I was sort of the poster child for basically someone who needed really significant financial help. I started a CPA firm over 30 years ago, and it was very, very successful. But in the fifth year, I made some really bad financial choices around real estate and the business itself. And quite frankly, I was on the verge of bankruptcy of going under, and I didn't know what to do. And at the same time, I was taught, never ask for help and try to solve your own problems. But I did ask for help. And uh, I was very lucky. Uh, Another CPA who happened to be in financial planning sat down with me. He, uh, he made me do a financial plan, which after I saw it, really, I, I saw how badly I looked. But then he showed me how to work myself out of that, always making the best financial decisions. And I recovered from that. And I was so enthralled with the process he showed me of how to make the best financial decision. Because before that, I was just a tax CPA, I only did tax work. He showed me how to make decisions all across the board insurance, investment, that were always going to. Uh, get you toward the goals you wanted. So it changed my career. I went to my partners and said, uh, I see how we can help people more than just giving them a better tax return. But I'd be be able to add to answer all their questions and help them live the life they want now in the future. And I thought that was uh, exciting for me. And so I got that passion more than 30 years ago. I changed the firm and that's where I am today as a, a wealth advisor and head of my own firm.
0: You know, it's interesting because as you're speaking, Al, I'm thinking about something that I learned pretty early on when I transitioned out of school leadership and into the coaching work that I do presently, and that is that I thought that if I had real expertise and if I could demonstrate true mastery as a coach, as a consultant, and really hone my skills, if you will, in those domains, then everything else would sort of work itself out. And I learned pretty quickly that that was not the case. You know, if you become, I went from school leadership to what I do now. And so there were a lot of skills that I just didn't possess. And I thought I'd hang my shingle, sort of build a website and announce my my foray into coaching and everything will live happily ever after. If you built it, they will come. But I learned that there's so much in terms of understanding business, understanding marketing, understanding a lot of the other back-end skills and necessary processes that really drive my ability to present myself to the marketplace as a viable coach and as a viable business. And so it sounds like what you did was, not only did you recognize that you had some, let's call it knowledge deficits in the area of finances that got you into trouble, but you embraced it to such a degree that you actually changed your business as a result. Am I getting that right?
1: Uh, Precisely. I had one skill, but I saw there was a, a broader set that I needed and I was deficient in those. But I saw if I had those, I can make more of an impact with, with my clients, with people, and uh, quite frankly, the world around me.
0: So to the question then about what you would do differently as a 25-year-old self, would the answer be to learn more about the other areas such as finance, or would you answer that differently?
1: Well, I'd probably answer it in two ways. I would say that because I learned this when I was in my 30s. Yeah, so I would have liked to have learned sooner those financial skills And maybe I would have been ahead of the game even sooner for myself and helping people. But uh, I will say that another thing I learned along the way, and you you talk about deficiencies and skills that we all have when we have a business. I realized only later the deficiency I had in my communication skills. So I would like to say that I'd like to learn more of my my financial skills earlier, but I really think learning uh, communication skills, and that includes listening properly, talking to people, being empathetic. I think that that's a powerful tool also I would have liked to have done earlier. Beautiful.
0: Yeah, I think that that's, I think it's something we all struggle with on some level. And that is, how do I become a better listener? We have this sense that we know a lot. We got into our position of leadership. We started our own business because we have a lot of content knowledge. And we don't realize often enough that we need to really be able to lean on others, listen to them, build that rapport, that trust so that we can develop the kind of business we really want. So you may have already answered it, Al, but I'm going to ask it to you as an independent question nonetheless. What would you say was your weakest leadership moment? Because in all honesty, part of the reason that we started this podcast at Lead to Succeed was so that we could learn from leaders' successes as well as their challenges. So tell us, please, what would you say was your weakest leadership moment or biggest professional mistake? And how did you go about rectifying things?
1: Well, around that same time that I was having financial problems and I I had a firm, I was a management partner of a firm about 25 people. And quite frankly, we were hitting a recession. It was a recession of the the late 80s. And my weakest moment is that I didn't take action as a leader that I should have. I should have cut expenses. I should have taken action uh, with around bonuses, other things. That if I had done that, maybe I wouldn't have had to lay off as many people or lay off anyone, and I would have caused a lot less harm to people, my staff, and my firm. Instead, I kept on putting it off. I kept on saying it's going to change tomorrow. It's going to change next week. And it didn't. But I came to a point where one day I had to lay off one-third of my staff, just call them into a room, and say, you no longer work for, for the firm. Without warning, they were stunned. Some were crying. To this day, it haunts me. I think I was responsible because of the lack of being a leader of my organization earlier. That 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 happened. Now, what did I learn? What I? How do I recover from it? I took that action. I started making sure I watched expenses. I, I made deals with my landlord, my vendors, uh, lease I, I, my bank to, to basically extend extend loans, have uh, holidays from them, and I recovered. But I learned from that how to really run a business better, and that when things are when things are kind of come up. It's going to be a challenge to you. Be be ready for. it. And quite frankly, twenty years later, in the crash of two thousand eight, I remember we saw we saw the the wreck coming. We took immediate action. We cut. We didn't have raises. We basically cut back on bonuses. We did other things to tear <clears throat> down. And what happened? I didn't have to lay one person off. I didn't have to And that that to me, from where I went twenty years before, to where it was my weakest moment. I, I feel I, I learned it twenty years later in in avoiding that.
0: Uh, that's great. I think that learning from experience is so powerful. Just curious, Al, did you happen to tell your people the second time around that you had taken those steps in order to avoid what the what was the outcome the first time around? In other words, did you lift the curtain and let your folks know that you were doing all of this, or did you just keep that amongst the inner circle of leadership?
1: You know, I, I really don't remember how I conveyed it, except by this time I had Had a lot of communications training, and I had no problem sitting down with anyone and telling them uh, this was going to happen. Now, at that particular time, uh, they saw around themselves other friends and other firms that were getting laid off or mass layoffs. So I sat down with them and said, basically, I don't want to lay anyone off. And these are the actions I have to take. Do I have your support? And basically they rallied to that. Now, I'm, I, I'm not sure I have told this story before to either clients or other people. I probably have told it to them at what, one time or another. I don't remember if I use it as a jumping point at that time, but I used it as the fact that we're in this together, we're going to get through it. And the whole goal is not to lay anyone off.
0: Awesome. I love it. And I think that I know Simon Sinek talks about this in his book, Know Your Why. The idea that um, a similar story, I don't remember the exact details, but Uh, I think people agreed to to furlough or or, or take some other steps so that everybody would would remain employed in a gainful sense. And it was a matter of really building a sense of cohesion, of saving everybody's backs, trying to make sure that you get through a difficult time as a group. So I applaud you, Al, for sharing that. And that's going to end our primary segment. And now we transition to rapid fire. So here's my first one for you, Al. The worst mispronunciation of your last name?
1: <laughs> Zanecki? Instead, <laughs> okay. I mean, I had a lot of them, so.
0: Okay. I think the, our, our listeners have to look at how you spell your name in order to fully appreciate that. But I'm glad, I'm glad you, co- you coached me through proper pronunciation before we got started. A personal hobby or pastime?
1: Uh, I have many, but I love to read, especially history. I love to do ge- genealogical work with my family. I'm doing a book on, on that.
0: Define that for us, please.
1: Oh, okay. So uh, I'm working with the New England Historical and Genealogical Society w- and, and writing a book that honors my mother and father and the four branches of, of the family. And I've been working on that for about three years. And I've been able to take that back to about two or 300 years and, uh, and really honor them and hopefully have this book to, to give to my children and grandchildren.
0: Something fun to do in New York City that few people know about. <laughs> Something
1: fun. Well, again, I, I love history. So basically, what there are there's a lot of small little sites people don't know on side streets. There's one on 61st and 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 on the East East River where it's actually the uh, the uh, the stable for John Adams' daughter's uh, house. And it's still there. And it's when it was in the countryside. That used to where people from the city downtown would come and 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 visit. But there's all these little nooks and crannies of, uh, of old New York here to visit.
0: Your favorite holiday?
1: My favorite holiday has to be Christmas Day.
0: Okay. So now we're going to uh, pass the, the microphone over to you, Al. Take a minute. Let Leastie Nation know where they could reach you and learn more about your work.
1: Uh, best place to, to reach me is my website at alzenek, Z-D-E-N-E-K dot com. Uh, there you can learn more about my, my book, about my speaking and other things that I do. Also, there's a personal assessment there that is that if you take it, it's meant to see, give you a guide that maybe um, you may want to speak to your financial advisor or there may be some holes in your financial plan that you can sort of shore up.
0: Fantastic. Alan, you've given us so much. I would be remiss, though, if I did not ask you, please, for one final life lesson that you could share with me and lead to succeed Nation today.
1: One final life lesson. I would say that uh, no matter how dark the hour is or how what kind of crisis you have in your life, just take a minute and you know count the blessings and the good fortune you have because there's a lot of people out there that are not as fortunate as you may be,
0: great. short, succinct, and super powerful. That was really, really great. Uh, Al, thank you so very much for joining us on Lead to Succeed today. Uh, It's been a pleasure talking with you, picking your brain, learning from your great experiences. And I certainly look forward to deepening our relationship moving forward.
1: Uh, Same here. I really enjoyed it. Thank you for having me.
0: It's been my pleasure. Today's leadership quote is from George Patton. A good plan violently executed now is a better than a perfect plan executed next week. Thanks so much for listening to this episode and for investing in yourself so that you can lead to succeed. Before you go, don't forget to head over to impactfulcoaching.com where you can sign up for our blog, download a free leadership ebook, and so much more. Thanks again for listening and have a great day.